This morning, I've got a, a message titled, uh, Once Upon a Time. Uh, one, one, once Upon a Time. And um, I'm talking about, we're going to be teaching or sharing uh, one of uh, the parables that Jesus taught while he was on the earth. How many knows that, that Jesus uh, taught parables and they were so much more than just a story? They were so much more than just a fable or a story time thing that you tell kids. Actually, what Jesus would do is he would take a, he would take a truth. And let me say, just say this. A lot of times his parables are in response uh, either to an accusation or sometimes a question. And uh, so he would tell these parables and, and he, would take a, he would take a story, so to speak, and he would infuse a spiritual truth into that so the people that are hearing it could get it. You, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, Jesus believed in simplicity. He just put it, he put it on a place where anybody can get it. How many, believe, how many likes it that way? In other words, you know, people, people, say, people say, well, I just want it deep, Pastor. Just give me some deep stuff, which really means make it so confusing that you don't understand it and you call that deep, right? But I just like to, I love the parables, and we're going to be talking about that this morning or one of those this morning. But before we get to that, we want to welcome everybody that's watching live stream right now. We're so thankful that you're a part of this service through technology. So Word of Life, let's give everybody that's watching a great big warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being a part this morning, and uh, I know we look really, really good on, our, on your device uh, that you're watching us on, but we look incredible in person, so you should come check us out sometime. We will love you. We will make you feel like you are at home, and so, and so Jesus is teaching a parable uh, one day, and, uh, but before I get to that, let me tell a, let me tell a quick story. How many's ever... How many's ever uh, said something or done something, and in the moment you did it or you said it, you wish you could have taken it back? You, you did something you're like, oh, I cannot believe I did that. Uh, a few years ago, um, uh, our our kids were still at home, and um, uh, they they are since uh, moving out on their own. If they're not moving, well, they are out on their own right now. I just just remember that. So anyway. Um, uh, we was coming up towards the weekend. It was a Friday, uh, a Friday evening, and so you know, I, I was just looking. I was excited about me and Sandy. Man, we're just gonna have our own kind of night together. And so uh, earlier in the day, I, I grabbed my, my smartphone and 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 I'm, I'm, I'm making, creating one of the crafting. I'll say one of one of these awesome texts that married folks get to text to one another. How many knows what I'm talking about? It's one of those steamy, you know, really good, like, praise the Lord, I'm married to this hot woman, I'll see you later kind of a text. And so, so I really thought it through, and I, I made it, and I put it all together. And then uh, I hit the sin, because that's what you do, right? You hit sin after you, make your, after you put your text together. And so the problem was, the problem was, and I was horrified. I was horrified when this happened. But, but when I hit the, the little arrow on there, I realized I have texted this to the wrong person. I mean, that was a... <sighs> what makes it even worse is, is that it was to a dude. It was to a guy, which makes it like even worse. Oh no, what have I done? What have I done? And so I was waiting on it. I knew he was going to text me back. And about 30, 45 seconds later, sure enough, here it came back. And he said, I didn't know you felt that way about me. Laugh out loud. And I was like, I don't. <laughs> to my wife. <laughs> 
But the, re- the reason that I told that story is that everybody in the room can identify with doing something like that, right? Everybody. You said something, something, you went, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That's the reason that Jesus told parables. That's the reason that Jesus told parables. He told these stories or these parables so that people could identify with that and go, yeah, I get, I get that. So today we're going to be talking about the parable the parable of the prodigal sons, found in Luke uh, 15, 11 through 32. I'm not going to read all of that. And just to give you a little bit of a, a background on what was going on when he told this parable, he was talking to a group of um, Jewish leaders. He was talking to a group of, 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 of Jewish leaders. And, and they were complaining that Jesus, that Jesus was spending too much time with the tax collectors and, and, and sinners and things like that. And so they were more like, hey, Jesus, you should be hanging around with spiritual people like ourselves, essentially is what they were saying. And so Jesus realized that what they were doing and their attitude behind it, and it was just arrogant. And, and so he begins to tell a story about prodigal son. So again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to put it together for you. I encourage you to go back and read it when you get a chance. But basically, it went like this. The father has these two sons, and the youngest of his two sons came to him one day and said, Father, look, um, I want my inheritance. I want my portion of the inheritance. I don't want to wait till you die. I don't really care about you. I just care about what you can give me because <laughs> it's all about me. And so, therefore, give me my inheritance because I want to live life on my terms. I want to do my life my way. I don't want to live under your authority. Just hand it over. And so Jesus said, the father, the father handed it over, and so the, the, the son takes off, and I like the way that it describes it in the Bible, is that he took off and he went as far away from his father as he could get. He went as far away from the influence of his father. He went far away from the house of his father as, as he, he could get, in, and he did. He, he went away and he began to live life on his terms. He began to do what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and how he wanted to do it. And, and, so, uh, so, and it was awesome for a while. It was awesome. I mean, he was partying, he was carrying on, he was doing all these different things, and it was incredible. It was amazing for a while. How many of you know that it can be that way for a while? Sin is fun, living life on your own terms. It is fun for a while. For a while. Now, I don't know if you, I don't know if you did that or not, but, but, but you might be here this morning going, you might be here this morning and you're saying, you know, no, not me. It wasn't fun. Well, one of two things is happening here when you think that or you say that. Number, number one is that you're probably lying <laughs> or you didn't do it right. <laughs> you, you didn't do it right. I've done both. I have. I've done both. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was a blast for a what? A while. Then for John Welch, it got real hollow. It got real shallow. It got real boring. It got real routine. It got empty. I got a lot of wounds and things like that that I could have avoided. I got my life wrecked in ways that I could have avoided. But then there came a point in this young man's life as Jesus is telling this parable that he made the decision to come back to his father. And so he starts the journey back. He starts the process of coming back to his father. And the father, when he came back, they had this huge celebration. It was a big, a big, a big, a big party at the, in the father's house. It's just, just a huge party. I mean, it was mind-boggling how big this party was. So the big question this morning is this. What was Jesus trying to show, not just the hearers that, that day, but what was Jesus trying to show us as he talked about this, this, this parable? 
Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. In this parable, Jesus was trying to show us, us. He was trying to show us, us. Take a note, just write the word down. He was trying to show us, us, make it personal. He was trying to show me, me. Now, statistics say there are 16,510 people groups that make up the 7.38 billion people on the planet right now. 16,510 different people groups that make up the 7.38 billion people on the planet right now. But if we, could, if we could look from God's perspective, if we could look from God's perspective at the 7.38 billion people on the planet right now, the, the 16,510 people that make up that big, large number, the, the, the truth is if we could see it from God's perspective, what we would see really are just two different groups of people. Just two different groups of people. The, the 1 Corinthians 1.18 really shows those two groups of people. For, for the message, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, for the message is, is about, excuse me, for the message about the cross is nonsense to those who are being destroyed, group number one. To those who are being destroyed, that's group number one. But it, but it is God's power to us who are being what? Group number two. So from God's perspective, there are only two groups of people on the planet. There are those who are being destroyed, those who are doing life their way and, and, and doing life on their terms, or there are those who are being saved. Those are those who are saying, God, you are my God, Jesus, you're my savior, and I'm living you in the middle, in the center of my life. There are only two groups of people. Doesn't that simplify it a lot? Uh, how great would it be if we begin to see the world and each other from that same perspective? How amazing would it be if we began just to see each other from that perspective? I can tell you, it would solve a lot of problems in our world. It would solve a lot of problems that the, the government can't solve. That the, 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 the church sometimes even struggles at solving. We need to get better at just saying, hey, there are only two groups of people. Those who are being saved, those who are following Christ and giving their life to Christ, and those who are not. And so really all we need to do, those who are following Christ need, need, to, need to connect with those who are not, so those who are not will begin to follow Christ. It's just that simple. I mean, come somebody say amen to that. We could leave and go home right now going, I got something good out of today's message. Let me just say it this way, though, for the sake of communicating this truth this morning, there are those who are in the house and those who are in the pig pen. There are those who are in the house and those who are in the pig pen. Well, what does it mean? What does it look like to be, to be in the house, God's house, so to speak? It's to be under God's authority and his protection. It's to, it's to, have, it's to have a sense of purpose. It's to live every day with a sense, a sense of purpose. You know, I know earlier we talked about discover and the, the, the importance of discover, but, but let, me just, let me just dig a little deeper in the purpose and the meaning of discover that we have here at Word of Life. One of the main things that we want you to get in coming discover is to help you understand your purpose in life. Let me just show you how powerful that is. We could get you together and we could get you in a room and we could help you and take your hand and solve your problems and help you solve those problems. But guess what's going to happen? You're going to have more problems. Then we're going to help you with that and then you're going to have more problems and then we're going to help you with that and you're going to have more problems and all we're going to be doing is helping you solve problems. So here's what we decided that we would do. We would help you discover your 
purpose because your purpose is greater than your problems and understanding your purpose is also help you with overcoming your problems. Amen. We're not helping you just solve your problems all the time. We help you when we connect you with God's purpose. And that's what being in the house is all about. Can somebody say amen to that? Being in the house is having healthy relationships, those life-giving relationships. That's why we have life groups and small groups. And we are a church of life groups and small groups. Being in the house is, is, is so beneficial because when challenges come, you don't have to fight them by yourself. How many of you know challenges are going to come to Christians? Challenges are going to come to believers. But the good news is this. We don't have to overcome those challenges alone. Can somebody say amen to that? John 16, 33 says, I have said these things to you so that you will have peace in me and in the world you have distress. Watch this though. But be encouraged, I have conquered the world. Are you thankful this morning for the victory that we have in Christ? Come on now. And that even though we may be in the house and we may be facing some challenges, God will, in our, because of our relationships, will help us overcome. Can somebody... I don't know if you notice this, but I'm excited about this message this morning. Amen. So what's it like to be in the pig pen? You do life on your terms when you determine what is right and wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you're in Christ filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you this. You don't have the luxury. You don't have the luxury to decide what's right and wrong. Now, you may have the right, and you may have the ability, but as followers of Christ, filled with God's Holy Spirit, listen to me, we live a life that's submitted to Him, and we don't determine what's right and wrong. We follow what He says and what is right and wrong. Can somebody say amen to that? Live a life where there are no boundaries in the pig pen. Life's one big party for a while. It's all about me. But then the pig pen reality sits in and that's where misery comes. Here's the point. There are only two kinds of people in this room. There are only two kinds of people in this room. Those in the house and those in the pig pen. The question is, which one are you in? Where are you at? It's funny when I ask questions like that to congregations because... (laughs) Nobody looks around. They're like, oh, I'm not going to look around too much because. <laughs> In this parable, God is, excuse me, Jesus is showing some, uh, something else. He's showing us God the Father. In this parable, in this parable, Jesus is showing us something else that's very important. And that is God, God the Father. Jesus coming to this earth, Jesus coming to this earth was a game changer for humanity. It was a game changer. And I don't think we really recognize how big of a deal it was when Jesus, because Jesus came to the earth. I'm telling you for humanity, it was a game changer. It changed the game because he came and he died on the cross and we are forgiven. How many knows that's a game changer? But it also changed the game for humanity because humanity was able to see God in a way that they had never seen him before. Jesus came to the earth and Jesus began to talk about God as not being some distant being somewhere, but God as being, and he began to refer to him as his what? 
Father. You know, that was a huge, huge deal. A lot of times people get tripped up. I've talked to a lot of younger people about that. They're, they can't figure this thing out because they said, you know, I've read the Bible and, uh, and I, I don't know what's up with this thing because you can read about God in the Old Testament and you see that God's killing folks and, and he doesn't seem very loving and kind. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes along and Jesus says he's a father and he's good and grace and mercy. I mean, what's up with that? Is there two different gods? And the answer is no, there's not two different gods. God hasn't changed, listen to me, but access to him has changed. Because listen, your revelation of God, listen to me, your revelation of God is is affected by your access that you have to him. Your understanding of God is connected to your access because before Jesus, man had no real true access to God. So when Jesus came on the scene, he's like, you're looking at the father. Come on now, you're, 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 you're looking at the father. And listen to me, nobody was as qualified as Jesus was to do this. Listen to what Colossians 1.15 says. It says, Christ is exactly like God. Christ is exactly like God. Who cannot be seen? He is the firstborn son superior to all of creation. And so in this, in, in this parable, Jesus, now get ready to write this down. Jesus revealed three different things about God. Three different things that are really important. Number one, he revealed his compassion. Everybody say Compassion. Listen to what, listen to what Jesus said in, in verse 20 of Luke 15. It says, so he got up talking about the son. He's in the pig pen. He got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? Compassion for who? Him. Watch this. And he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, can you imagine that? Can you see that this morning? Because if you can see that, you're looking at it from a different point of view than those who were listening to Jesus. Because from a Western mindset, we, we think it's kind of like a Hallmark movie. You know, the, the, the son, he's, he's, he's running towards the father. And the, the father's over here and he sees the son and he's running towards the son. And they both got their arms open wide. And the father's, the father's robe is just fluttering and flowing in the wind. It's like a Hallmark, like a Hallmark movie. Just the other day, Sandy and I were, were driving down the road and she, she said, uh, she said, uh, guess what's about to happen? Guess what's coming? And I, I, to be honest with you, I was thinking, never mind. And so I'm driving down the road and I said, what's happening? What's coming? And she said, Christmas Hallmark movies are about to start. I'm like, oh dear Jesus, no, no, no. Why ruin amazing holidays with the Christmas Hallmark movies? Just joking for all you Hallmark loving people. I'm praying for you. God bless you. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. Because the Jews, actually, when the Jews heard that, they were, they were actually repulsed. They, 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 they could not wrap their brain around that. They, they were, they were, it was repulsive because in their culture... A man didn't run. He showed no emotion like that. And one of the reasons he didn't run is because in, able, in, in order for him to run, he would have had to pick up his robe, tuck it into his belt, and you would have been able to see his legs. And culturally speaking, that was not cool. 
And the second thing that, 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 that really blew the hearer's mind was this, is that this young man wasn't just covered with dirt. He wasn't just covered with mud. He was covered with dirt and mud and feces from a pig. But it says, Jesus said that the father had what? Compassion. He had compassion because that's what people of compassion do. They don't run from those who are dirty. They don't run from those who everybody else runs from. They run to them. That's what compassion does. Listen to me. And that's what your heavenly father does. Can somebody say amen to that? Listen to me, listen to me. As a church, we've got to stop walking around and, and letting people know or coming across like um, people have got to get cleaned up in order to come to God. We got to let them know. We got to let them know. We got to let them know. You don't have to get cleaned up and come in order to come to God. You can come just like you are. God is not afraid of your problems. God is not afraid of your what? Your past. It's what compassion is, compassion does. This is good preaching for a young pastor like myself. (laughs) Jesus was compassionate towards the the leper that came to Jesus. Says Jesus put out his hand and he touched him. You know this, if you've read the Bible very much, leprosy was a death sentence for people. People ran from lepers. They didn't run to them unless you're compassionate. How many in this room this morning are thankful for God's compassion. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for, for God's, God's compassion? Another attribute that Jesus revealed here is that he revealed the mercy of God. So in the pig pen, in the pig pen, this young man, as Jesus is telling the parable, this young man came to his mind and he, he said, listen, I, I, I can live better than that. I can, I can do better than this. I don't, I don't have to live this way. Don't you know it's a powerful thing when a person decides that they don't have to live this way? It's very powerful. So he came to that point. He said, I don't have to live this way, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go back to my father, but, but I realize that I've messed up. I realize that I've made some mistakes. I realize that I've brought shame to my father. I realize that I have... I have um, also brought shame to my life. So here's, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna ask him if he would allow me just to be a servant in his house. I know I'm his son, but I'm just gonna go back and ask him to be a servant. And in my mind, I can see this, this young man, he's going and he's moving. And he's thinking about and rehearsing this on his way back to his father. So his father runs to him. His father kisses him on the cheek and he begins to tell him what he had been rehearsing. Dad, I don't want to be your son. I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I just want to be a servant. But I love, I love what Jesus, the picture that Jesus paints here. Jesus really didn't even let him finish his story. Do you know why? It didn't matter. What he had done, the fact that he had squandered the inheritance that his father had worked for, To his father, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It did not matter. It did not matter. He didn't, the father didn't say to the son, what what were you thinking? Look what you've done. You knew better. He let him finish the speech. Why? 
Because it didn't matter, listen to me, because the father's mercy was greater than the son's mistake. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. The father's mercy was greater than the son's mistake. That is a perfect picture, ladies and gentlemen. Perfect picture of when somebody repents and they come to God. That's a perfect picture because God is a merciful God. Is anybody in this room thankful for the mercy of God? Next attribute is grace. Luke 15, 22 through 24, it says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. uh, And he was lost and now he's found. Watch this. And so they began to what? Celebrate. Let me put it in Louisiana terms. They threw a party. They threw a party. Do you, know why, do you know why the father said bring the best robe? Because servants didn't wear robes, but sons did. Do you know why he said bring the ring? Because servants don't wear the rings, but sons do. Do you know why he said bring the sandals? Here's why. Servants didn't wear sandals. But sons did. You remember, he would have settled for a servant. Based on what I've done, he said, I don't deserve to be a son in the house. But listen to me, the father's response wasn't based on his son's actions. His response was based upon his grace. Grace is receiving something you don't deserve. Everybody, listen to me. Listen. The grace of God, the grace of God is not our cover for sinning. The grace of God is not our cover for sinning. The grace of God will help set you free from sinning. Amen. Amen. Romans 1, 11, 6 says his, ch- his choice is based on his grace. Talking about God and not what they've done. Talking about God. For if God's choice were based, or if God's choice were based on what people do, then his grace would not be real grace. Listen to me. Getting this, his compassion, his mercy, and his grace will forever change the way that you live your life. You know, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I'm concerned about something. I'm concerned that as Christians, as believers, we've gotten lulled into this routine. We we, we go to work during the week and we we, we have a day off on Saturday and then we go to church on Sunday. We we work during the week and we we, we go to church on, we have our day off on Saturday or if we can and then then we go to church on Sunday. And and so when we come in here, we we have that routine down too. 
And sometimes we come in and we go, all right, well, all right, well, what is, what is the worship team? What is the worship team? I, I hope they inspire me today to give praise and worship. How many are thankful for our worship team in this place? How many are thankful for every volunteer in this house that makes our weekend so awesome and so great? But let me say this. Let me say this. Though our worship team is inspirational, they are not here solely to inspire us to praise and worship. No, 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 no. When, when we come together, listen, we need to come through those doors ready because we know that God has been good to us. We know that we have received his mercy. We know that he has given us his grace. Come on now. We know that. We realize that we have been saved. We have been saved. We have been saved. And we've been celebrating that, driving down the road all week long. All week long, we've been celebrating it. And when we come together on Sunday mornings, we're here just to come together to everybody celebrate the goodness of God. That's, that's what it's about. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Far too often we, we, we're thinking, God, we're, we're going to come to church to try to get God to do something. We're going to try to praise to get God to do something. Now, the, our worship team doesn't do that to try to get God to do something. No, no, listen to me. We celebrate what he's already done. We celebrate what he's already done. Listen to me. And when we begin to celebrate what he's already done, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit gets in line with that, comes in, and he joins the party. Come on now. Joins the party. And that's what makes this building a church and a sanctuary. Amen. Now that we got that straight. To wrap up this morning. I'm going to wrap up with this thought, and you may think it's a bit strange when I, when I say it. This is my last point as I wrap. In this parable, Jesus was showing us God's dissatisfaction, the Father's dissatisfaction. You say, ah, oh, that's odd. What, is that? What, is that? what does that mean? You see, in the parable that Jesus taught, he didn't teach and talk just about one son, just the prodigal. Matter of fact, there was another one. The son that never left. And so that evening as the son comes in, he he hears a party, a celebration going on in the house. And he says to one of the servants, What's going on? What's happening? And the servant said, It's your younger brother. He's come home. Your father's accepted him. And the older son said, I'm not going in there. I'm staying right out here. I'm not going in the house. So the father's in the house. And somehow he gets word that his son, his oldest son, is not in the house with him. And you know what? The father wasn't satisfied with just having one son in the house. He wanted all of his sons and all of his kids in the house. Luke 15, 28, it says, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Watch this. I love this. So his father went out. His father went to him. His father met him where he was at. 
He didn't stand up on the front porch and say, hey, you better get in here. No, he didn't do that. He went and he met his son where he was at. Why? Because he wasn't satisfied with just having one son in the house. He wanted all of his sons there. I believe the house represents God's plan, God's purpose, God's life. I believe that. I believe it represents God's church. I believe that. You may be here this morning and when I asked the question earlier about what house, are, where are you at? What house are you in? Remember that? Are you in the pig pen? Are you in the house? Where are you at? Most people in this room probably went, <laughs> I'm in the house. But how many people do you know that's not? How many people do you work with that's not? How many people are you around? How many people do you pass all the time that's not? You see, God's not satisfied with just us being in the house. He's not. He's, he's glad, but he's not satisfied. And God help us if we're just here thinking just about us and just thankful that I'm in the house. And God, you ought to appreciate it because I'm in the house. Now, there are people that are hurting. There are people that need compassion. There are, and we walk by them all the time. We're not paying attention. I'm about to tell you a story and I'm not saying it to pat me on the back or anything like that. But a few weeks ago, Sandy and I were driving up from, from uh, the Lake Charles campus. And we stopped at one of our, our favorite fast food restaurants. It's the, it's the place that has the really good chicken and the amazing service and they're not open on Sundays. So we went in and we were ordering and the lady asked, young, young lady, she was younger than our girls. She said, what would you like to drink? And I said, I would like half tea, half lemonade. She looked at me, this was classic. She looked at me, she said, oh, you know that's called an Arnold Palmer. <laughs> and I smiled and I said, yeah, I know that. I realized that. And I was feeling a little mischievous. So I said, do you even know who Arnold Palmer was? And she said, oh, Yeah. He's the real muscular guy, right? And I said, no, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. She turned around. She turned around to get me, uh, get my cup. And she my, turned around. When she turned back around, she said, here's your half lemonade and half tea. She gave it to me. So a little bit while later, we were finishing up our meal and I noticed the same young lady was wiping off some trays by the, the trash bin. But I noticed something this time that was different because she had some tears running down her eyes. And I could tell she was trying to hide the tears. And, and I told Sandy, I said, something's wrong with her. There was something in me right then that I thought, there's no way we're leaving this room. There's no way we're leaving this restaurant. No way without reaching out to that young lady. There is no way that's going to happen. Because people were just walking by her. So I told Sandy, I said, let's give her some money. We also, at, 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 at the Lake Charles campus, we have these cards, and we're going to be making these available here very pretty soon. What we encourage folks to do is just keep them in your pocket, your billfold, your purse. And when God nudges you or lays it on your heart to be a blessing to somebody, leave one of these cards. And on one side of the card, it says something extra to show you that God loves you. 
On the other side, there's just information about, you know, services and stuff like that. So, you know, being compassionate is not always convenient. Because I didn't have any cash. <laughs> so I had to leave a Sandy State. I went and ran across the street to an ATM, got some money out, came back. And on the card, on the card, I, I wrote on there, I said, you made the best Arnold Palmer ever. <laughs> and I wrapped 100 bucks, you know, put it 100 bucks. And at the right time, I went over there to her and I said, look, God wants you to know that he loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you and he knows where you're at and gave it to her. And, and she, more tears started coming out and she said this. She said, I, I am, this is such a blessing because you were paying attention. You recognized. I'm not saying this to pat me on the back because I don't know what happened to that young lady. But I do know this. I do know in that moment, compassion made a difference. I do know in that moment that God spoke to that young lady and said, you're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. I know where you are. So the big question is this. How many times are you walking by people and you're forgetting about them? Let me ask you this. Who are you praying for right now? Who's in the pig pen and are you praying for them? Who's there? I know you know somebody. I know you know two or three or four. Who's there? Who are you praying for? Because listen to me, you can pray them out of that pig pen. Listen to me, you can lead them out of that pig pen through your relationship with them. It can happen. And you can get them in the house. And I'm telling you, when that happens, there's a big party, not only here, but there's a party in heaven every single time. 